Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. Yeah. Item E! Yeah! yeah. Item E! Yeah! Item yeah. E! Yeah. 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 Get down the die! Get on the ready line! Nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there! And welcome to Smash Pot 3, the podcast that relights the fire of 80s action movies and celebrates the decade where the explosion was king. It was, wasn't it? Oh, sorry, yes. Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Uh, This week, we'll be heading to space with a bunch of Marines to rescue a group of colonists from some deadly aliens. Spoiler alert, it doesn't go very well. And yes, we're talking about aliens. And joining me to crawl through a tiny tunnel, probably too small, in a really terrifying way, is writer extraordinaire, and I underline that word, Neil Forsyth, who can be found on Twitter as at Mr. Neil Forsyth. Hello, Neil. Hello, thanks for having me, John. Thanks for coming in. Great to be here. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a long time, so it's finally born fruit. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah. 
And what a pleasure to come in under these circumstances. I know, aliens. Oh, fantastic. I couldn't believe it when you picked it. No one had picked it. Well, I, went to a, I didn't want to come in and slag anything off. I think that's the thing. Where it's yeah. such a masterpiece. That, um, it was such a pleasure to, to watch it again. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you a question, though. Would this have worked? I mean, as an opening gambit question, if it was cannon and ball... In terms of masterpiece, didn't want to slag anything off. Yeah, I think that would have worked. If it was them going to space, or if they, or if it were them going to space, um, yeah, or, or or indeed more common wise. It took nine years for I think for the aliens to come together. So I'm sure yeah. Cannonball was in there in some sort of. They must have been. Version. I bet they passed on it and did Boys in Blue instead. <laughs> They're busy. They're busy men. They were understandably so. Because they could have had a bit where Tommy's all worried about the aliens getting through the tunnel, and Bobby could have you know done the a bit of entendre br- about the tunnel as well. I think there's yeah yeah. yeah. There's lots of fun. I mean, they'd have made something of it. Because in many ways, they were our Abbott and Costello. Our Ripley and Hicks. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, so Aliens. Um, now, did you watch the normal cut or the director's cut? I watched it on my laptop on the train. So mm. uh, I think it was HD. No, it was the normal cut. I think. Yeah. What's the big difference? The big difference is in the director's cut, you see Newt's family in the colony finding the eggs. Oh, really? And getting attacked by a facehugger. So you see more of the colonists. Can I ask you about the facehuggers? Yeah. What, facehugger versus chest burster? Yeah. Yeah, what, what, I mean, if you were to choose how to go. Well, one leads to the other though, doesn't it? Ah, facehuggers entry, chest bursters exit. Yeah, facehuggers go on you and you go into a kind of comatose state while they lay their eggs in you. Yeah. And then they drop off and then you're fine. And then... Chest birthday comes out after the eggs uh, hatched. So I've missed a fairly critical point of plot there. I'd you say. have. It's pretty. You have probably. Hope now. Yeah. Well, you probably haven't seen Alien for a while. It explains <laughs> it more in Alien. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen Alien. For, I didn't rewatch Alien, unfortunately, but I did. Uh, I accidentally did. I wouldn't have done. Uh-huh. But I accidentally did. Do you feel you need to watch that to properly enjoy Aliens? No. No. No, but maybe if you watch the director's cut, because it also it tells you about that, but it tells you a bit about how Ripley had a daughter. And when she gets back to Earth, she's been asleep for 57 years. And it tells you the whole scene about how her daughter's died because she got very old and died. Ah, right. So there's that whole theme running through the film about yeah, Ripley. Yeah, absolutely. Not Maternal having... stuff and, and babies yeah. and, and the female. And then and then the bloody alien has babies and she doesn't care about those, does she? No, she certainly does not. I mean, that's yeah. horrific. That is horrific. I was thinking, what a lovely all-female scene we have here. And yeah. And they just turn into... Sort of girls' night, girls' night out gone wrong. That's right. I think like like all girls' night out, it, it started as good fun, and then one of them uh, flamethrowers the other one's eggs. That's right. <laughs> maybe they should have done a carry on with this because you could aliens or girls' night out gone wrong, <laughs> yeah. written yeah. by Talbot Rothwell. <laughs> um, yeah, but but it starts off with Ripley asleep in space. Yeah, because uh, at the end of Alien, I don't know if you remember, but she gets rid of the alien. Yes. Because uh, she's in the escape pod, and she's blown up the ship thinking the alien was on there, but he snuck aboard the escape pod with her. As they do, yeah. So he should have had her previously on Alien, and um, she kicks, kicks the uh, alien out of the air and then goes to sleep. And she's found fifty-seven years later yeah. by Adam Klaus from Jonathan Creek. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Ah, a little glimpse. Yeah. Didn't do any magic. No, he no, didn't do have any, any ladies in his bed. He was a very hedonistic magician, wasn't he? Very hedonistic. Infamously so, I think. Very. He, let, he famously let Jonathan do all the legwork. Yeah. Took all the credit. He was a he was a shaman. Yes. Is shaman the right word? I think so. Yeah. But in the uh, pilot episode of Jonathan Creek, he's played by um, Giles from Buffy. Oh, is he really? Yeah. 
Why do you think he's American? I don't see the... I don't know, because in the pilot, it's Anthony Head, isn't it, is his name? Yeah, yeah. He plays it as an American as well. Yeah. But this guy's actually American, so maybe they just thought, meh. Just sub it in, keep it, keep it simple. Because this film, he's the first of examples of this. This film is littered with American actors who were living in London at the time. Yeah, well, it's really interesting with the casting. He, there was this Cameron, he auditioned some like 3,000 British actors yeah. and then decided he needed to get Americans. Yeah. Which is extraordinary, really. You'd think that some of them would have hit the... Um, I think he, I, I don't think that's true, actually. I don't think it was about the quality of the acting. I think increasingly, if you read about it with the aliens, he, Cameron hated the fact he had to make this in, in Britain. Yes. Uh, the crew hated him. Yep. He hated them. Yep. And I think he became a bit of a, you know, a, I think he became slightly detestable of the whole British experience. He didn't like the fact that there was tea breaks. Tea breaks. And part of going to the pub. Tea breaks and going to the pub. But He'd it, rather work 24 hours, whereas they were like, five o'clock, we're all going to the pub. Yeah, but he was from that American cycle where that's what they do, but then they all earn extortionate overtime, I think. So. Yeah, well, he came from working for Corman, didn't he? Yeah. James Cameron, and um, an effects background. He yeah. did all the um, map paintings in Escape from New York. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's his background. So he's used to grafting for 24 hours a day to get $30 for it or something. Whereas he's come to this, as you say, he didn't want to film it in England, came to England, and then there's this whole bad clash of culture. Yeah, and they made fun of him because his wife was a producer. And, That's right. Yeah. Gail Ann Hurd. Yeah. But he, um, yeah, and then and then, and then he had to go and shoot an acting, which must have been bewildering. Yeah. But, he, but it, was Terminator, it was Terminator's script that got him the gig Yeah, doing this. That's right. But what's interesting about that is he, he pretty much had the gig secured... And then he said, Can, let me just have a little play with this. And he, he locked himself away for four days and wrote a 40-page mission statement, after which his involvement was on shaky ground. So mm-hmm. he had it. He had it at the palm of his hands and wrote, I think, what sounds like some sort of Jerry Maguire outpouring. <laughs> and uh, then, it, then he had to win, it, win back their trust, I think, by writing a, at least half a script when Terminator was delayed or something. That's like right. It? Yeah, he was waiting for the financing to come through for Terminator. This is before he was king of the world, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah well before. Yeah, because this is—he was mainly a screenwriter before this, because he wrote Rambo: First Blood Part Two uh-huh. as well. Um, but yeah, this was his big Terminator, and this were huge for him. And it's brilliant. I mean, I, th- I think yeah. the thing with this is one of the things I found rewatching it is for what is very much an action film. There's lots of very wordy theatrical scenes, two-handers and things that are just brilliantly written, obviously mm. performed. But a lot of heart as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a real character-led. It's it's to me, it's like a family drama. With a massive Vietnam allegory. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge amount of Vietnam in this. Yeah. Going in all cocky. All cocky, lots of um, elaborate handshakes and and bullshit, just badinage. Mm. Constant badinage from the Marines. Yeah, and then dealing with the natives who knew the ground better than them and were outwitted left, right and centre. Yeah, exactly. And I think he said that as well. That was one of the things Mm. he was going for. Uh, But she's been asleep for 57 years. Uh, She has a dream in space hospital. Where a chest burster comes out of her. Mm-hmm. And we meet Carter J. Burke. I like this guy. He's great. Paul Reiser, yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. Paul Reiser is one of those people who used to be in everything. He yes. was in Beverly Hills Cop. I think it's worth pausing for a little moment on Paul Reiser. Yeah. Because I'd like to talk. I mean, I th- Beverly Hills Cop, Curb, he was very funny in. Curb, your enthusiasm. Yes. In later years. But um, the thing about Paul Reiser I thought worth discussing is My Two Dads. Mm-hmm. I my forgot about that. My Two Dads. Did you, did you ever watch that? With Greg Evigan. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. a late 80s thing. And I was... Thinking about this uh, coming in and Paul Reiser and the Mighty Dust connection, I thought I'm pretty confident 
that the premise for My Two Dads is fucking insane. It and, is. Um, and, it, and it is. I'll just give you a little little summary of it. If yes, you, please. If you think this is of value. Mm, I do. Uh, My Two Dads. The series begins after Marcy Bradford, mother of 12-year-old Nicole Bradford, has died. Two men who had competed for Marcy's affections, and that's code for sex, had sex, yeah. sex with her 12 years ago. Yeah. Michael Taylor, Paul Reiser, a successful financial advisor, and a struggling artist called Joey, were awarded joint custody of Nicole by Judge Margaret Wilbur. Now, you're probably thinking, John, why am I learning the name of the judge? Yeah. At this custody hearing, well, all tight. After giving custody of Nicole to Michael and Henry, Judge Margaret Wilbur frequently visits the new family, then buys the building and becomes their live-in landlord. The cast is rounded out by former football player Dick Buckus, who manages the cafe. However, the cafe is then taken over, you've guessed it, John, by Judge <laughs> Margaret Wilbur, who renames it Judge's Court Cafe. Amazing. I mean, so I mean, a couple of things. I'm not, I'm no expert in legal ethics, but this judge's frantic attempts to involve herself in this fractured family is, at best, a little odd. Yeah. Secondly, just to clarify, a 12-year-old girl. Is now whose whose mum's just died, is now living with two strange men, purely because both of those men had sex with her mum over a decade ago and had not been seen since. That's the other thing. Not yeah. these are total strangers, mm. um, and awarded full custody. So I thought, well, that's a bit odd. Let's get into the episode descriptions and see if it kind of normal it up a bit I hope you, I, I'm imagining it does unfortunately it's quite the opposite they, oh. so they said that it was a recurring character and I thought well maybe it's a social worker mm-hmm. you know And uh, but it's not it's a hunky rock star who's a friend of Joey's regularly pops round and causes young Nicole to swoon so quick reminder she's 12 years old 12 years old yeah um, so I looked at the, ro- the rock star was played by Davy Jones and the monkeys who was 42 years old at the time so. oh Davy apartment is a chamber of horrors it really is this is awful that was a mainstream television sitcom so who wrote it fucking i don't know i mean sydney cook (laughs) (laughs) real script consultant creative consultant the wolf pack (laughs) (laughs) so there you go that's fucking my two dads that'd be better title fucking my two dads (laughs) oh that'd be awful that's a terrible context yeah, so, yeah, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. He's brilliant in this. Absolutely. Because he's primarily does comedy. Yeah. And he's absolutely brilliant in this. I like the way that in 57 years, in the future, future, because Alien, I'm assuming, is in the future anyway, because they're travelling through space. Yeah. This is 57 years plus to Alien's future. Yeah. The biggest evolution that's taken place, the suits have got a pull-up collar. Little wingtips, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's suave. But wingtips must have existed when the film was made. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. A cynical person would think that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but she has to. She has to have a meeting with the board. She does. It doesn't and go well. No, it doesn't because they kind of blame her. They don't believe her about this xenomorph. Also, after being asleep for fifty-seven years, my first question would be: How is the Marvel universe progressing? <laughs> yeah. What would you ask after fifty-seven years? Oh God! Uh, well, she doesn't ask about any family or friends. Or... Well, in the in the oh, cut, we God. find out about her daughter. But yeah, oh, so they've yeah. stitched her right up with that cut. They have it like a heartless, heartless piece of work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've got the builders in just now. I think I just ask if they've if they've wrapped up. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. No, I'd be surprised. Maybe East Enders is still going. I just assume it was. Yeah. 
does it have a Scottish alcoholic in it? They always do, don't they? Yeah. Who's the best Scotsman who's been in EastEnders? Is it um, the guy who beat up Little Mo? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, let's not pin blame. No. It was a long, that was one round of a long battle. That's true. Uh, Mary the Punk was a Scot, wasn't she? Oh, yes. Of course yeah. she was, yeah. Who was the other one? Someone who drifted in, but and had various quite serious character and lifestyle flaws, and then Dirty Dougal. Dirty Dougal. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so they're very unhappy with her because the mothership blew up. Um, but so, as kind of a punishment, she has to live in the flats from Only Fools and Horses from the future, <laughs> and um, work at the uh, docks, basically loading stuff. Mm-hmm. Looks like a caravan, doesn't it? Her apartment, I thought. Does a bit. The layout of it. Yeah, but they've made it like kind of if IKEA made a slum. Yes, but you know she's... there was something about the toilet was actually the toilet from a BA plane or something. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, there's lots of stuff out of that they've made and mended in right. this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, you know the you know the car they use later on, like the people carrier car. Uh-huh. That's a thing that they use to push airplanes along at airports, right. which they've doled up to look like a futuristic <laughs> space car. Anyway. Um, so Burke comes to see her with Lieutenant Gorman and uh, tells her that they're... Because she... Oh, this is something in the meeting. She says, look, there's this alien there. You might want to look into it. And they said, well, you know, we, we've we got a colony there. Yeah. And they've been there for 20 years. They've not heard anything. Yeah. And she's livid at that she's idea. She's absolutely furious. Yeah. And understandably so. But I think... Yeah. And I think the great thing with Burke... E, I thought it was... Yeah, a fantastic performance by Riser, just a brilliant, understated, dramatic performance. But yeah. I thought the character, it's quite quaint the way the 80s films always had this bad capitalist. Yes. But it was an individual. Mm. It was this sort of, it was always represented in this quite interesting, colourful individual with this and Gecko and people like that. Whereas now, I don't know who that would be. It would be a sort of faceless corporation. It would be a faceless corporation, yeah. yeah. But it does tie in nicely with Alien as well because the whole, th- the whole, theme of Alien is that they're sent to this planet to investigate by the company with yeah. the proviso of bringing one of the xenomorphs back with them. And if you look at space travel now, it's this, there is this very odd grey area role of private companies. and things. Well, Virgin are going yeah. to space, aren't they? Knowing Branson, though, that's going to end in a complete disaster. Yeah, they've been meaning to go for a while, haven't they? Yeah, and didn't the, one of the pilots testing it get killed? Yeah. It's like when he used to have his hot air balloons, they'd always crash. And um, he should stop doing that. Let's wrap it up. I think he's he's seventy now as well. He's got, he's nice, got his own island. Nice gaff, yeah, yeah. Uh, and enjoy it. But the the um, I did hear that the the uh, Virgin Atlantic first the Virgin test flight of it that Bob Geldof bought a ticket. So, oh really? Maybe hurry up. <laughs> I can possibly. I've just I wrote something with Bob Geldof in it, and he's um, I wrote his read his autobiography, and it's. Uh, I read his autobiography and Midge-Ewer's autobiography, and they, 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 that relationship is fantastic. It's just so rich. Yeah, they don't get on now, do they? No, they don't get on now. Is that because of the Band-Aid song? Or yeah, the, or the a, experience itself? I think Midge-Ewer felt he was slightly sidelined. Um, but, he was. But he has a lot of little digs at uh, Geldof in his, in his book. And my favourite one was accusing Geldof of being incapable of uh, landing on the beat. Which oh. is rock star one on one, you know, of course, yeah. and he just thinks Bob can't do it. And I do think of all the little barbs he had through the boot, that's probably the one that Geldof would, is carrying about to this day, I'd imagine. Yeah. Geldof's had a lot of to deal with in his life, though, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, not been very nice. <laughs> um, he's not in Aliens, though. He's not in Aliens. Not in any of them. There's been eight. 
A- Aliens films. Yeah. Or oh, Alien films. How many have you watched? Uh, I've probably seen all of them. Really? Yeah. yeah I've even it? seen the AVP disasters. Is it diminishing returns? Oh, it? yeah. I'd say Aliens is a masterpiece. This is really good. Three is good if you watch the director's cut. Four is terrible. Absolutely awful. Um, and then you get the AVP films, which are pretty poor. And then Prometheus has interesting ideas, but is executed very badly. And Covenant is appalling. <laughs> IMO. And you've just stuck with them. Yeah. I'm always interested. I, I find the beast, as H.R. Uh, Giger would call it, fascinating. Right. The giant penis monster. Which in this film is one thing I don't like about this film is they've redesigned them to look like ants because yeah, they're trying they to suggest that they're a colony of ants, essentially. Oh, right. And I don't like the way they look in these. Yeah. They've taken away the big glass dome and put in loads of black on it so it looks like an ant. Quite leggy. Yeah, and they're, they're very um, generic, whereas yeah. the thing about the alien in the first film is it's very distinctive and terrifying. That's true. I think the only distinction with the, the queen's just massive. It's just a yeah. bigger version of... I like the design of the queen. Yeah. But yeah, it's still quite leggy though. It's all arms and legs. That one's not in an attractive way. Not an attractive oh, way. Oh, it's just you keep saying leggy in that. Would you? You're perspiring. Can... <laughs> you keep saying leggy. I just. Yeah. <laughs> not in a Rod Stewart sense. <laughs> Would you, right? I'll ask you a, a, a question. Would you, if someone said to you, the whole fate of the human race depends on this, right? And only you can do it. Would you have sex with the Queen Alien if it meant that it would save the human race? Would it be filmed? No. Oh, no, I'm not interested then. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> you my business in public. Well, that's good to know. Thanks. Well, you are a writer, so it's about time you got out on the, uh, you know, you weren't one of the backroom boys. As, as, as <laughs> that's were. one of the videos, yeah. 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 Um, so where were we? Yes, so Burke and Gorman arrive and they say to her, look, we've lost contact with the colony. We can't get in touch with them. Again, in the director's cut, you see why, because they finally come across the spaceship from Alien and found the eggs. And um, he says, look, we need you to go out there because you've got the experience. She says no. And he says, well, if you come with, we'll reinstate you. We'll stop you working in the dock. We'll get you recommissioned. What would you say if I told you I could get you reinstated as a flight officer? The company has already agreed to pick up your contract. If I go. Yeah, if you go. Come on, that's a second chance, kiddo. And I think personally for you, it would be the best thing in the world to get out there and face this thing. Get back on the horse. Spare me, Burke. I've had my psych evaluation this month. Yeah, I know. I've read it. You wake up every night, your sheets are soaking with sweat. I said no, and I mean it. A bigger gaff, you'll be out the, out the caravan. Yeah. And you can go and live uh, somewhere else. And uh, at first she says no. And this is the really weird bit that I didn't like, is she says, you know, I, I've had my psych evaluation, thanks, Burke. And he goes, yeah, I know, you've read it. You wake up sweating. Mm. Like, that's a bit personal. Yeah. That. Anyway, she tells him to leave. Then she has another bad dream. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, never make a decision directly after a nightmare. No. Because it's not going to be good. It's going to be slightly deranged. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was that was a little bit handy, I suppose. But there was such a lovely scene, the two of them beforehand, when he was trying to persuade her, and that's bit, it was about three or four minutes or something. You know? Yeah, it just didn't feel it. It was just it's a lovely flow to that to Cameron's writing. I thought in this film throughout, but yeah, it was a little bit handy that that was the extra push that she she had this nightmare, and then and then she phoned them up and said, "Well, will we 
we'll be as long as we off them. Yeah, I'm in. She says we're not bringing them back. We're going to wipe them out. And yeah. He says absolutely. But spoiler alert, he's, he's, he's up to something. He's up to something. Hello, Ripley. You okay? Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. You have my word on it. All right, I'm in. But I liked his space business card. He gives her a a sheet of plastic with see-through. Yeah. Which she then uses to phone him, which is a video phone that wakes him up. Yeah. And that that's impractical, a video phone like that, where you can just phone someone and immediately see them. Having used their business cards. Yeah. I mean, they've brought in video phones now, but you have to have the permission of someone to see them. <laughs> yeah. Whereas he answers, and you can see him basically in the nude. Yeah. That would it's, be it's, awful. He's sort of coquettishly leaning in. But he's looking good. I mean, he's walking up and he's very, very, he's just on it. He's wiping sleep out of his eyes. But he's also, as you say, looking over his shoulder so we can't see who's in bed with him. Uh, Might be an alien. An alien, I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, A baby alien. A baby alien. Oh, God. Is this written by Sidney Cook? (laughs) Um, So anyway, so next we see them. Oh, she tells Jones the cat from Alien that he's going to stay at home. Yeah. Who will look after Jones the cat? I don't think we care. No. Not at this stage. Maybe it's a hotel for cats. I just honestly don't care. But. <laughs> They're going to write a prequel now, you know that. <laughs> yeah, they'll Jane. be fine. Yeah. So a little bit of colour. I don't think they needed the cat, but... Well, they had to, because she was asleep with the cat. Oh, that's true. At the end of Alien, they had to put it in. Yeah, that's true. Although they they could have had it, they woke her up and the cat was like frozen stiff and dead. It's an old cat now. That would, that would now be the oldest cat. No one's give the cat much recognition that it's now the oldest cat in the world. That's so. very true. Yeah. The Guinness Book of Records would have come round. And especially if Jones would have had a big, long, grey beard <laughs> from being asleep so long, <laughs> like Rick Van Winkle. Would have made sense. Would have made, yeah, it would have made sense. Like the last days of Howard Hughes. Howard Hook. I was going to say Howard Hawks, and then it turned into, it was Howard Hughes. <laughs> yeah. But not Hook. That's from Zulu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so they all wake up in space, and she's now with the Colonial Marines. <coughs> all right, sweetheart, so what are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal's a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the Corps! Oh, God. Man, this floor is freezing. What do you want me to do, fetch your slippers for you? Gee, would you, sir? I'd like that. Look into my eye. What a bunch of bellends. It's just it's high fives and badinage, and, yeah. and they're just so annoying. But you know that you know that the vast majority are going to die. Yeah, and there's a point to it. That I think think that's his Vietnam stuff as well. Yes, cockiness. Um, yeah. Also, um, Bill Paxton elevates any film he's in by about three hundred percent. Extraordinary. And you know, a lot mm. of it was ad libbed. I was reading a lot yeah. of these famous Paxton lines in this film, like "Game over, man, game over." It was all all ad libbed. He's so fucking good. I mean, he is. He's a great actor. His character is an appalling soldier. Yes. I mean, whenever there's a call for any soldiery, he not only refuses to do it, he angrily refuses to do it. I mean, it's literally his job. He's very scared. Yeah, he's very scared. There's a great scene later where I think she suggests just just basic soldiery, yeah. you know, seal the excess, and he said, count me out. Mm. <laughs> he's getting paid a salary. He's a bit like Hook. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, there's some lovely introductions here, even though some of it's a bit too on the nose about macho, the 80s macho scene yeah. of uh, Vasquez and um, her friend doing the chin-ups. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Saying, you're a badass. And then there's an odd thing with them where when he dies, she looks like forlorn, like this could have been the one. And their entire communication before that has been sort of aggressive banter, misogynistic from his end. I always assumed they were a couple. Oh, beforehand? Yeah. And this was just how they communicated? Which I is... think so. It's Reaganite, Reagan, Reaganomics. And then and then Bishop comes in. Yes. It's good to see a bishop. Always good to see a bishop. I mean, he cut his finger. Yeah, um, and then Ripley freaks out. She he does the knife out. trick first, though, that every kid in school did. Yeah. With a pencil. Yeah. You'd hold your hand over another kid and do the pencil trick. How did you get on with that? Oh, uh, not very good. My brother used to force me to do it, so I'd have to hold my hand there, and he'd always get me with a pencil. Oh. Or spend my youth with bits of pen and pencil on my fingers. <laughs> but yeah, he does that, and he cuts his finger, and Ripley freaks out because, in Alien, you may remember, the robot on board there freaks out Ian Holm. He doesn't freak out Ian Holm, he is Ian Holm, and tries to kill her with a rolled-up newspaper. Yeah. Furious Paperboy. <laughs> Furious from the game Paperboy. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of level boss in Paperboy. But it's it's um, she immediately hates Bishop the android because yes. she once met another android she didn't like. I mean, it's a stunningly racist touch. Mm-hmm. She just she hates all androids and she won't give any of them a time of day. He should have said in robot speak hashtag not all androids. Yeah, she's a sort of she's like a member of the football lads anti android alliance. Yeah. They just want their country back. That's all. What would happen if you got a comedian in a room, you open their Amazon account, and you look back at everything they've ever bought on that website? Well, this because I was consuming so much peanut butter. I decided to try and get a powdered version that wasn't as fattening. Uh, Your handwriting can change your life. I regret this book. (laughs) I regret this book. Keep Calm and Love Dom Jolly novelty keyring and fridge magnets. Yeah, I love that. I do have that on my fridge. Four pounds you spent on that. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster, available now from Great Big Al. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
<laughs> yeah, she 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 hates Bishop, and um, then does a briefing to the soldiers who are still very uh, cocky. Just they just want sharp and they're chipping in and hands up for silly questions. Yeah, and she you know she says to them, just one of those things wiped out our entire crew. Yeah, and there's potentially thousands where we're going. Yeah, and she's right to be worried about it. She's worried for them. Yeah, and they still won't listen. They're complete they're just, dicks. They're yeah, they're fanning about. And then they get they go down and the journey down's tough. I thought it was quite felt quite long the journey down. I thought watching it again. I was just going to say if we could go back a second. There's some lovely exposition oh, here. Some nice writing. Yes, we're planting the um, what's it called the loader. The loader. And as she walks past, you blink and you miss it. She overhears someone talking about how you open the air dock. Oh, and the airlock. Wow. It's such a beautiful and moment. The fire, and the fire, the flamethrower as well. I think yeah. we've got just enough for. So all those three things are planted there. Yeah. Just completely blink and you'll miss some moments. That's and it's great. just brilliant writing. But yeah, we then have the um, elevator. They go in the pipe mm-hmm. to get down to the planet. Now, the pipe bit, I don't know if you remember, but there was a video game of aliens in the 80s. There were two video games. One where you just shoot aliens. And then there was another one which was kind of an adventure game. I may be wrong. Correct me, everybody. But there was a level that was in fucking impossible where there was literally a pipe going down to the planet, and you were the spaceship, and you had to stay within it, otherwise you would fail. And it was so hard. That's all I ever think about when I think of this moment. Yeah, but not the not the tight pipe that comes later. No, no, that's, no, no. That's a whole it's, 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 it's not really a pipe. The, the pilot says, we're in the pipe, Yeah. and then they fly down to the planet, but on her scanner, oh, right, there's like right. a digital pipe they're flying through. Right. I guess to avoid passage. turbulence yeah, or something. Yeah. But yeah, oh God, that was so hard. Um, but they land on the uh, planet, and then we see how cool Michael Bien's character Hicks is because he falls asleep during the drop. Yes, with the horrendous turbulence, because you get that lovely line from A. Pone saying, "You know, get yourself ready, get your arm, blah blah blah," and somebody wake up Hicks. Yeah. We got tactical smart missiles, base plasma pulse rifles, RPGs. We got sonic electronic ball breakers. We got nukes. We got knives, sharp sticks. Knock it off, Hudson. All right, gear up. Two minutes, people. Get hot. Somebody wake up Hicks. Just brilliant. Yeah, and he only got the part a week before the... Um, yep. A week before it, because what's his chops? Remmer. James Remar. Got uh, kicked off, and they said it was creative differences, and it turned out to be drugs possession. It was drugs, yeah. yeah. he was. Found- you can see his back in a couple of scenes. Yes. They'd already shot a couple of wide shots and things, and... And the, the funny thing is, is that the nice, it was one of those, uh, sometimes they do it in films where they build like a mini platoon of actors and they treat them like they are soldiers. And they said to them, right, well, you are your characters. It's up to you what your characters are like. Take away all this equipment and costume and customise it as to what your character would like to That's be. That's right. And they all so they've all written their own messages. Like they did, in, I think they did that in Full Metal Jacket as well. Um, but Michael Bien is wearing James Remar's costume. <laughs> right. so all the stuff written on there he hasn't written I think he said that it didn't quite fit him in places as well um, but I think he does an incredible job in this oh, he's, he's always good but in this he's just outstanding yeah. and he's got the real heart of the film and it's a slow build as well yeah I think that what there's a couple of things that I thought were so good about it that I thought I wondered if they'd get away with that now one of them is the pace of it mm. you know, I just feel that if that film was made now they'd chop half an hour out of it and it would be Pacier and quicker, and there'd be some of these slower burn moments just wouldn't happen. Yeah. And then I thought as well with Ripley, 
a lot of times she's one step back from the action. Yeah. And it's brilliant because yeah. it just lets you, you know she's the star of it and you're interested in her observation of it, but it's so clever mm. and subtle that she, she'll be literally observing through whatever means of some of the action. Or It takes a long time to take charge. Yeah. And, and, and arguably she never does officially take charge. Not until the very end. No, no. because after Gorman sort of um, cacks it, it's Hicks. She makes the point, Ripley, of saying, well, Hicks is next in line mm. to officially be in charge. And he sort of grows into the role yeah. almost with her support. Yeah. And then she takes charge at the very end of, of you know, finding you. So, again, such brief choices. And good writing. Great writing and very significant, I think, that it never got shown to test audiences mm. because the edit wasn't ready. That's right. And that's probably the kind of simplistic thing that panicked execs would take out of a test screening. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just fantastic. Also, I, I was saying to my wife when we were watching this the other night, it's funny that this doesn't get picked. This doesn't get mentioned by those whiny incels who get upset about Star Wars being women, you know, a woman being in charge of uh, the hero in Star Wars, yeah. Captain Marvel being about a woman. They instantly dismiss it. This is about a strong woman. Yeah, very much so. And it never gets mentioned because it's, I guess, because it's so varied in its um, cast. Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is about a woman, just like Alien is and just like Alien 3 is. But people like, they have such affection for it, it doesn't get mentioned. I think she probably presents as slightly androgynous, maybe. I mean, I don't know if that's... Well, they, if they see what they want to see, maybe, some of these people. Yeah. But she, but it's all about motherhood and reproduction, and, and and it's hugely about, you know, her relationship with Newton stuff. That's so beyond an adult trying to look after a child. Yes. It's, it's really... Particularly with the director's cut, a moment yeah. of finding her daughter's dead. You've got this... Yeah replacement daughter there why he why that left the original why i think it was just so bad so long right that they wanted to chop out any other bits but when he significantly when he really when he re-released it into video in the 90s he then re-released it as the director's cut right you also get a scene with the um you know the bit where they're going through the ammo after the crash which we'll get to in a bit uh they they have a box of sentry guns which they set up in a tunnel that's quite a nice scene mm-hmm you get to see it's a bit like Zulu. You get to see the counter of the guns firing. Yeah, yeah, and it that's t- right. tells you how many aliens are in there. It's quite terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so they, they land on the planet and they go inside the colony facilities. And it's brilliantly shot. It's oh. amazing that arrival. Yeah. And going inside, I thought the use of sound, mm. particularly silence actually, is yeah. just so spooky and immersive. And, and yeah. James, we should mention James Horner's score in this. Yes, yeah, incredible. Exactly. And he had a and tough again, time tough time doing it, didn't he? I think he had like three or four weeks. Yeah. And it's just amazing, particularly this scene. As you say, when they're wandering through the facility, he just drops in these little echoey yeah. thuds, just ambience, and it just really racks up the tension. And everything clanging off the steel, you know, that steel floor he played with throughout. And, yeah. Which I think and he just his, got from a local company or something. That's they had, right. They had it out the back of a yeah. warehouse. Yeah, and he got a lot – he had a, the producers literally on his shoulders the whole time. He didn't yeah. have a nice time doing this at all. And again, he didn't want to go to London to do it, but he was forced to. Yeah. And his uh, music at the end with the da-da-da-da-da-da-da, it got used in trailers for about 20 years. Really? Yeah. I wonder if he gets paid for that. I hope so. He's dead now, sadly. Oh. Died like, a couple of years ago. He was one of my favourite composers, but there we go. Um, so they go they go through the um, the colony, and we start seeing the signs of the aliens. There's barricades. There's acid burns in all the floors, which they should point out to Ripley. Interesting, they're in the future, but they're still shooting on video. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, then they come across loads of face huggers in jars. Mm. 
which is quite a horrific scene. Yeah. Two of them are still alive, the others are still dead. And there's one of them, which I mean, my brain being the idiot brain it is, one of them is much bigger than the others. So I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if that's the queen. Oh, right. Yeah. All felt a bit Jules of Merrick, all that stuff, didn't it? So Did. They, go, they return to that in Alien 4, where Ripley is cloned. And they find a lab full of Ripley rejects. It's that not feels good. A bit kicking the arse out of it. But. It really has. It's horrible. It's really horrible. Uh, don't ever watch it. Uh, and then something pops up on the motion trackers, which is again sound design. That tracker is like the dunk, dunk, yeah. dunk. It's beautiful. I think we got some here. Behind us. One of us. Hey, Pawn, where are your people? Anybody in D block? Oh, that's a negative. We're all in operations. Talk to me, Frosty. Let's keep moving, baby. And this is where they find Newt. Newt's Caddy Han. Which could, on paper, be an irritating character. Yeah. If someone said to you, by the way, there's an alien sequel with a little kid in it, you'd be like, oh no, short yeah. round. Yeah. But she's brilliant. She's fantastic. Mm. And a really interesting story. They'd. Search and search and search. And what, what I found funny was they, they looked at loads of American-based kids, but they were all the ones that were doing adverts. Yeah. And they were trained to smile at the end of each line. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so they did all these audition tapes where this deeply grim dialogue, and then the child would do a perky <laughs> smile at the end of the line. My mum died, and then it was this thing. So, And then they found her. She was living in the UK, American-born. And actually, her accent does veer about a bit. It does. There's a couple of lines. I think the last line, actually, of the whole show, she sounds like kind of posh posh English yeah. but she was technically American born living in the UK and then never worked again no sort of Sonny Pike yeah of the of the acting game Freddie Adu and she just sort of uh, had this yeah she, did, she went off to be a teacher didn't she? I believe so I think she still goes to all the conventions and stuff oh, so she, she probably makes a few quid out of it but yeah and, and looks a bit like Kurt Cobain <laughs> that's all I could see I've, in my mind they found Kurt Cobain because she's got the little ratty cardigan on yeah. the dirty blonde hair and her bedroom probably is similar imagine the stink in there because you wouldn't go out of there to do it one thing I did find a bit odd about her she, so she'd lived there how long she'd be on her own on there didn't they say they'd lost touch with the colony a few weeks ago or something okay so she'd been on her own for about a month yeah in that really creepy environment Ugh. Sort of alien stuff all over the place yeah and she just she just gone with it, and she had a little pad there and stuff. But then in this film, she then screams at everything. Mm-hmm. She's te- terrified by by anything, and you mm. think, well, in that month, she's obviously buckled down. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a flaw, but no, no. But again, it's another example, though, of going back to the fact that she's been living in that tiny hole of, um, you know, say don't show. Because your imagination then goes to, wow, that must have been yeah, at night time. She's probably seeing them all or hearing them all running around. Yeah, no, that, was that must have been terrifying. Another great bit of set design as well. Yes. Uh, as they take her back, the Marines carry on deeper into the facility yep. because uh, um, Hudson has found, because all the colonists have got chips inside them, not McCain, uh, and they're all hiding under a cooling tower. Yeah. So they go and investigate that, the Marines. And uh, this was filmed at Acton Power Works. Was this and when, um, when he spotted it on the grid? Is this when he said, "Stop your grinning and grab your lidded"? Stop your grinning, drop your lidded. And is that a phrase? I don't know. It might be another Paxton improv. Well, I, no, I think it was in the script, but I couldn't find it. I thought, and I just got a horrible feeling that that's 
Cameron's idea of what a ladies' man might say. I think he probably which is. Which makes it some a little bit heartbreaking, really. Yo! Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Found them. They're alive? Unknown. It looks like all of them. Over at the processing station. Sub-level three, under the main cooling towers. Looks like a goddamn town meeting. Well, we know Cameron's a ladies' man, don't we? Yeah, that's true. But I don't he, know if he would have been as a child. No. No, true. I feel that's maybe something he heard one of the bigger boys say at school and he's it stayed in his head and yeah. he's got yeah. it out here. But that was a strange dialogue twist. Mm. But it's one of the lines that everyone quotes from this film. Though, yeah. Because he has a few of them. But yeah, they go to Acton Powerworks where they film the, the same, they use the Acton Powerworks to film the Axis chemical scenes from Batman. Yes, which I think is gone now. I think they demolished it because it was disused. They had to get um, remove the asbestos, didn't they? That's right. Yeah, and you also get um, Hudson doing the line about it's a dry heat. Yeah, which I enjoy. Nobody touch nothing. Busy little creatures, huh? Hot as hell in here. Yeah, man, but it's a dry heat. Knock it off, Hudson. <laughs> uh, but they go in there, and as they walk in, Ripley suddenly says, "Hang on." Aren't those cooling towers basically massive atomic bombs? And then they have to stop, take all their weapons away from them. Yeah. I like that plant as well. Because that's when Frost says, what are we going to use, man? Harsh language? <laughs> yeah. um, and then they go in there and they do find loads of dead colonists in cocoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chest burster. The first, first chest, well, apart from her dream sequence. <coughs> yeah. Top, the first chest burster. So Which of Heroic death. A chest burst, isn't it? You can arch the back and yeah, look good. Yeah, John Hurt looked good when he yeah, had it. Magnificent, I thought. Yeah, supple. <laughs> um, but obviously, all hell breaks loose at this point. We got hundreds of aliens attacking everybody. Yes, but it's such a pleasure to start killing some of the Marines. I think that's mm. the thing. You're you're you really are ready for some of them to to go at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, arguably, your kind of your loyalties are slightly split. Yeah. In this battle scene. By design, I think, as well. And there's a, some of the soldiers have got excellent names. Like, Where's Bowski? Spunkmeyer. Spunkmeyer's a good yeah. one. Where's Bowski? But this was the first time that they'd used this technique, which they've used, they copied in so many films since, where you've got a commanding officer watching the screens of all the soldiers yeah. and their vital signs underneath. I can't name how many films have copied that since. Oh, really? Yeah, loads of... I think Jurassic I that, World did it. Do you think that existed in terms of military apparatus at that point? I don't know, because I'm assuming they'd have... Well, they'd have been, they had video cameras in their helmets, and what we're probably not seeing is to make that work, because I'm assuming they used them practically. Massive. There's probably loads of cables going yeah. down their back and yeah. massive power packs and stuff. Now they just use GoPro cameras. In fact, I think in Alien Covenant, they've all got Go, GoPro yeah. cameras on. Um, you, you buy it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it works so well, particularly adds to the tension and the chaos of what's going on at this moment because you can't see what the hell's going on. Um, Gorman, Gorman shakes himself. At, yep. yep, he's crap. Because we find out during their drop that this is his second drop second ever. Second ever drop. So he's inexperienced. That's his thing that's going on throughout this film. Yeah. Uh, and um, basically loads of people get wiped out. Ripley takes over and drives the truck i mentioned earlier the takes over thing. to a degree the thing is she still makes that hicks point about chain of command doesn't mm. she but then yeah then she jumps in there well that's after gorman gets knocked out that's right yeah that's she takes over she drives the truck in and something falls off a shelf and knocks gorman out oh that's it yeah that's the sequence yeah and this is like the last chopper out of saigon this bit because she drives it in 
opens the door, everybody gets in, but obviously most of them are dead. And then Vasquez's fella buys it, yeah. gets acid in the face. She's sad about that. Yeah. She won't get any more aggressive misogyny from her no. potential husband. They get out of the compound and then um, Ripley has that wonderful line of they're talking about what they're going to do next. And she says, I say we just get on a ship, get out of here and nuke the site from orbit. And then this is when Burke start, you start showing Burke's true colours yeah, because he says, hang on, this is a multi-million dollar compact, you know. Yeah. She says, they can bill me. Well, I believe Corporal Hicks has authority here. Corporal Hicks is... This operation is under military jurisdiction and Hicks is next in chain of command. Am I right, Corporal? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, Ripley, this is a multi-million dollar installation, okay? He can't make that kind of decision. He's just a grunt. No offense. None taken. Pharaoh, do you copy? Standing by. Prep for dust off. We're going to need immediate evac. Roger. On our way. Say we take off, nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Let's do it. Spunkmire. It'd be better if it would have been... um, Scotty Trotter and a spunk powered moped. You know that Viz, Viz strip? I do know. It's one of, it is my favourite Viz strip yeah, of all time. One of my favorite it's Mickey all... Spunky Spunk Powered Moped. It's a Mickey Spunky Spunk Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, at the end, he has he gets himself a, um, is it a fanny battered powered <laughs> That's right. milk float or something? Yeah. It is my favourite of all time. I think it's Graham Jury did it. Oh, it's pretty oh, yeah. It's just the. I remember getting that copy of Viz. I remember going to the bus to college when it came out. Yeah. I remember crying, laughing. I remember taking it into college and just literally going around everybody and saying, read this. That was brilliant. Oh. Uh, my, me and my pal Dominic had exactly the same at Dundee High School, passing that back and forth. And I, mean, I think it was that Christmas, actually. I persuaded my granny to buy me the, was it the big pink hard one? Or yeah, yeah, big pink stiff one. <laughs> yeah. I usually got the Brudens, but I managed to persuade her there was a new, a new kid on the block. It certainly was a new <laughs> kid. My... I think... If I remember rightly, within the last year, they've done a sequel to Mickey's Monkey's Bunk Power Moped. Oh, have they? Yeah. God, that's this If that was in this film, it would be... Well, I was just thinking that. If you came with Spunkmire just peddling over the horizon. (laughs) So Spunkmire's more of a nickname. Yes. So what would Spunkmire be? Because Maya in German is... Big, is it? Yeah, so Big Spunk. Big Spunk, yeah. Come on, Big Spunk. That's the kind of thing that Americans would probably call each other without even being a sexual connotation. It'd be some weird American football thing or... I admire your spunk. Yeah. Thanks very much. Cheers. <laughs> Took me ages to fill that. Uh, yeah, so the ship crashes, sadly. And lovely back pro- projection here. I love yeah. old-style cinema techniques. Cameron, again, big fan of that around this time. There's lots of it in Terminator where they're just standing in front of a, a cinema screen that shows the model crashing. Yeah. But the way it's shot is beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's... Um, so they salvage everything they can from the ship. And realise that they're stuck in the compound and no one's going to come and rescue them for 17 days. Yeah, this is where Paxson shouts, game over, man, game over, yeah. which is an ad lib. And the Marines are just falling apart at this point. Yeah. Well, there's only what? There's only Hicks, Hudson, Vasquez, Gorman still asleep at this point. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And little Newt. And little Newt. And um, we get the lovely scene where Ripley cleans her. Yes, that's very nice. And then you have this Ripley and Hicks frisson. Yeah. Which annoys me a bit because she is just this magnificent goddess and yeah. he gets a laugh from 
something very pedestrian. What's that about? Um, doesn't mean we're engaged when he yeah. gives us the location. I mean, he's got to work harder than that, I think. For, I know, but I think it's weaver. quite charming. I know, but old rippers at this stage of her. I know, but she's surrounded by ultra she can get, uber yeah. males, and he's so the, the nice land of the blind sort of thing. Exactly, he's yeah. he's he's the only one that's mildly sensitive, yeah, isn't he? Bernard Manning and that <laughs> combo. But um, the, you also get the line here of um, Newt saying, "We better go back inside. They I mostly know. come at night." I know, mostly, is, yeah. Which is a wonderful South Park episode where they copied that. Oh, really? Yeah, where he's getting babysat by a girl. They mostly come at night, mostly. Yeah, Hicks gives uh, Ripley the thing where he can find her, and she takes Newt to bed. Yeah. Not in a My Two Dads sense. <laughs> and um, she does, oh, oh, of course, she's scared about sleeping in that room by herself. She tells her, you don't worry, you'll be fine. And there's that lovely moment about, you know, don't worry, Casey doesn't have bad dreams. Casey's her doll's head. Yeah. She says, Casey's just a piece of plastic. Yeah. It's just really, really well written scene. It's, it's brilliant. Like, it's it's and the performances are just incredible. It's yeah. like such a lovely. You just buy it. You really buy that. From very early on, actually, you buy that Ripley Newt relationship. Don't yeah. you? Even from when she's looking for her, that yep. sort of panic on on Ripley's face. It's yeah, it's hypnotic. But basically, she's figured out that Burke's a baddie. She says, "I know you sent the colonists there," and he says, "I know it was a bad call, Ripley." It's great. And uh, she says, well, I'm going to make sure they nail you to the wall for this. He even offers her, he says, you know, if you keep your mouth shut. Yeah, get a little piece of the pie. Yeah, but she won't have it. No, she's not. Oh, the pro- we find out the processing tower's got four hours till it explodes. Yeah, they had a little bit of time pressure here. Yeah. And so they say, well, there's one pipe that goes from this facility to uh, a dish where they can call down the spaceship. But it's going to take 40 minutes to crawl through it. Yeah. And Bishop says, I'll go. I'll, I'll have a piece of that. And it's, yeah. a, it's quite tropey, the sort of distrusted native that suddenly comes good. Yeah. It's quite a Native American Western very true. part. And I think, I think it, I think, do you think the whole film feels very much like a Western? I thought it was interesting, Walter Hill said, and he, he got story credit on it, think, yeah. but produced it, and he said, every film I've ever made is a Western in later years. I think, that's, I think that is true. Very true, years. especially Last Man Standing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm. Um so it is a bit troby, but again, it's it's it's. I think it's just brilliantly acted and, and well written, and you're ready for him to play that card. I think at this point, Bishop, because he you has get, been hanging about. He has, and again, looking slightly suspicious. So, yeah. but you also get the lovely moment where Hudson's like, "Well, I'm not going down there." He's such a knob, uh, Hudson, and he and again, he's he's just a terrible soldier. This is when mm. he shouts. You can count me out. That's right. When they're looking for a volunteer, and again, he's a marine. He's a professional soldier. He doesn't want to do it. He just wants to, to josh about. But then when uh, the funny thing is when Bishop says, I'll do it, Hudson goes, yeah, yeah, good idea. Yeah. And he does. And this bit, used to, this was the scariest Getting bit Getting in, in, the, in the, oh, God, it's horrible. It's the tightest tunnel you could oh, possibly have imagine. Have you watched um, Escape at Dannemora? No. Oh, well, the, the, the Ben Siller directed the Prison Break American drama thing. It was, it's brilliant. It's, it's, oh, is that the one with Patricia Arquette? Yes. No, and, I haven't um, seen it. I've heard about it. Benicio... Um, Sorry, and, and uh, what's his name? Dan Paltino. Oh, yeah. And it's absolutely brilliant, but there's a scene where they, they get out of the prison in this, in a tight, like, AC duck type thing, and it's it's ludicrously tight, and oh, my God, it's tough watch, as mm. is this. Mm. It's like those videos you sometimes see of people um, cave diving. Yeah. When they have to go through the tiniest gap, and they're not sure if the other side's going to be open or not. Yeah. Christ. Ah, but it's horrible. And the way it's shot, the camera is really tight on his face, and he looks a bit like a vampire. 
But anyway. Uh, squirming. Squirming as oh, we through for 40 minutes, yeah. Horrible. So they go back to... So Ripley goes back to her room. She's shown how to use guns by this, Hicks. Yeah, this is the flotation. Yeah. And well, more flotation, and it's... Mm. Um, yeah, I thought this was a bit much. Mm. But it's a good exposition for later on, though. Yeah. No, no, it's got purpose to it. Yeah. It's not an exposition, sorry. It's a uh, foreshadowing. That yeah. She's going to use them later on. Uh, so she goes back to her room to get some sleep, and it's quite a nice little moment here because she, um, Newt's not in bed. She's underneath the bed, which I think is quite nice. Yeah. So she gets under there with her, and then... Well... There's two facehuggers in there. Facehuggers pop up. Burke's put them in there. And he also turns off the camera so they can't see them. Yeah, but then they, she sets off the fire alarm and then mm. they, they come in and Hicks throws himself through the window for no apparent reason. They've just shot it out. Yeah, because they couldn't break the window and then he gets Hudson to shoot, shoot it, it and out. then he jumps through yeah, it. Yeah, he jumps through it. A bit, yeah. Really trying to impress Ripley. A little flourish there, I thought. He should have jumped through and then done some sort of gun show with his <laughs> yeah. muscles. But uh, so they get freed and Ripley accuses Burke of... It's relatively complicated. Releasing the face huggers mm. so that they would impregnate her in Newt. Yeah. Which would then allow him to smuggle those embryos past Earth's quarantine mm-hmm. uh, quarantine and then and then he's gonna kill the rest of the Marines so no one could contradict it. Yeah, he could tell Sounds crazy, him. but again, my two dads. I mean this is <laughs> just classic riser, really. Yeah. And it's basically what they do in Alien Covenant as well. Oh, is it? So they've taken that accusation from two and spun it out into an Alien Covenant's a prequel as well. Ugh. Ah, right. God. Ugh. Um, but, yeah, this is the great bit where she tells them, and then Hudson says, You're dog meat, pal. This is so nuts. I mean, listen listen to what you're saying. It's paranoid delusion. How, it's really sad. It's pathetic. You know, Burke, I don't know which species is worse. You don't see them fucking each other over for a goddamn percentage. All right, we waste him. No offense. No! Gotta go back. <laughs> but then he's saved by the lack of a bell. All the lights go out. Yep. And then again, this is some wonderful Hudson shitting himself moments because uh, Ripley says they must have cut the power. He goes, what do you mean they cut the power? <laughs> he's Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I mean, that's literally just the lights being switched off. Yeah. And again, he is a professional Marine. <laughs> And they've got infrared, we've, they say earlier. Yeah. Switch to infrared. Uh, but basically, this is a scene that, when I was a little kid, terrified me. Because of the lighting or because of the... Because of the motion tracking, where oh, they're yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. they seal up the door, and it's like they're 15 metres away, 14, 30. Yeah, that's true. And it's like nine, and he's like, that's in the room. Oh. And then they're like, well... And then Ripley's like, well, how else could they be getting in? And then they all just look up. Yeah, it's brilliant. Oh. They do a lot of uh, real-time stuff in this film. Mm. Uh, there's, I think it's a couple of occasions where they say, we've got 16 minutes later, and it and, and the screen time is 16 minutes. Yes. And I think there's another time, there's another one-minute countdown or something, and it's dead on. Yeah, you're I right. Don't, I don't know if they retrospectively DR'd that based on the edit or something, but it's, um, yeah, it's a lovely touch. I wouldn't surprise me with Cameron. Yeah. The way he was in those days. Very, very realistic. Um, so, but basically they look up, uh, Hicks very bravely goes up and looks through the ceiling tile. Yeah. And there's hundreds and hundreds of aliens coming his way from up the ceiling, which they should have thought about, really. Yeah. But anyway. It's a low, it's a low ceiling. It's a very low ceiling. It's like the one we've got here. <laughs> um, um, all the aliens come through. There's a big shootout. Sadly, we lose Hudson, but he goes out bravely. Hudson? Yeah. He 
It's not tragedy. He's shooting them all and saying, "You want some? Oh, oh you want some true. too? You want the some?" Last stand, isn't it? And then one comes through the floor and grabs him. That's true. So it was a bit of bit of bravado later on, he, but he, the real bravado, of course. Mm. And talk about coming good is Gorman. Yes, yeah, has Gorman's a, woken up at this point. Yeah. He has a bit of a Captain Oates here. Yeah, um, and he sacrifices himself with yes. Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah, because she's got she's got acid all over her leg. Yeah, and he's he's run out of bullets. So they fire off a grenade. What does she say? You always were. She, she has, it's a bit odd. The last thing he hears is just a last, last bit of criticism. Yeah, she always says you were an asshole, yeah. Gorman. He was, he was though. Yeah, so he's gone. Yeah, and that explosion sadly causes Newt to fall down an air duct. Yes. But luckily she's wearing her motion tracker. So they go, they go all the way down to tracker, but at that point she gets snatched by an alien. She gets snatched by an alien, yeah, and, and we know that because the little doll's head's bobbing about. That's a good scene, though, where she's in the water and the alien comes out. Yeah. Because they've sort of puppeted the tail as well, so it's swishing around behind it. Yeah. It looks quite terrifying. Uh, so Ripley is very upset, and they go back to the ship, which Bishop's managed to bring in. Bishop brings in, she goes back, and she just tools up like a maniac. Yeah. She basically gets everything they've got left and puts it on, straps the flamethrower to the machine gun with gaffer tape, yeah, and goes down there because they're going. She goes back to the cooling tower because that's where um, that's where Newt's signals coming from. She goes down there and she then she finds the uh, locator which has come loose. Mm. And maybe uh, opposing my earlier point, maybe this was the point to install this motif of Newt screaming because the only reason she finds her is for a, a little scream here. There you it? go. Um, yeah, because Newt's positioned right by an egg, which opens. Yes. And the face hugger just comes crawling out. And that causes her to scream and then uh and then she steams in with the flamethrower. The flamethrower's so cool. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That little pilot light aspect mm. to it where it's just always flickering at the end. It's I love this scene. Well, the reason I love this scene is because she comes in, flamethrowers loads of stuff, grabs Newt, turns around and the camera stops. Cause behind her there's all this flashing there's, there's alerts, there's this warning that there's plates because the facility's gonna blow up. And it stops dead, and she turns around with it. So slowly. Yeah, like she comes around to look at the camera, and then, and then there's up, the queen yeah, alien. and then follows the body up, and yeah, and it's just girl's night out gone wrong. Yeah, there's this massive... First we see this massive kind of bowel-like egg trail, and it's just plopping out eggs. And then we just see this huge queen alien, which is, again, like I said, it's beautifully designed. Yeah. Bit leggy. Leggy blonde. Yeah. And um, she has this um, unwritten contract with the alien. It's very, it's an odd. I was trying to work out the storytelling here. So it feels like the queen alien yeah. call, does a little call-in of some of the other aliens. She calls in her drones. Ripley offs them. Yeah. Then the queen alien almost thinks better of it, looks at Ripley and Newt, and sort of almost lets them go. Yeah. And then when Ripley's leaving, she's like, well, I can't leave these, these eggs. Well, no, as they're leaving, one of the eggs starts opening. That's right. And she turns around at the queen and gives her a look like, you wanker, and then flamethrowers it. But what did she think was going to happen with those eggs? I think maybe she thought the alien, was, the queen was just going to let them go. Oh, right, I see. I think she's saying to the queen, the queen, you've made this egg open to attack us. I wondered if, it's a little bit open to the interpretation. Yeah. I wondered, although this is quite dark from Ripley's thought of, is the queen actually saying you can go? And Ripley's considering going, but then 
really when the egg starts to open, it sinks in. God, these are all gonna, these are all gonna open. And yes, I could go and save myself, but all these, you know, I'm not gonna. All, all these other aliens are gonna keep. Um, but then the facility's about to explode, isn't it? So she could have just gone anyway. She could have gone because it would have a huge nuclear explosion was going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I think it's just Plenty. the. I think it's the unwritten contract of trust that the queen has broken. So to retaliate, she fires grenades into the eggs, into the queen's egg sack. The, right into the Queen's egg sack and, yeah. then, and then sort of continues up and it's just a general you get a bit of lift yeah lift panic yeah while the Queen follows them really well puppeted though yes it's, as it follows them yeah you, you, it's, it holds up everything about it holds up yeah. so well you're scary when you're supposed to be scared and you're impressed when you're supposed to be impressed it's, oh, it's just such a brilliant film. and it's got one of the best trick endings ever as well because she gets back to the ship and they get away <laughs> The getaway, and then it's Glenn Close coming out the bath. Yeah, but in an cr- incredible way. I remember when I first—I can still remember when I first saw this. The, you know, Bishop's my friend now, and everything's good. And then you just suddenly get that drop of acid, and yeah. suddenly the ta- the tail goes right through his chest. Yeah. And then the Queen picks him up and rips him in half, and then he becomes quite funny. <laughs> he becomes a little bit, a little bit slapsticky. He does. Rolling about in his tom tom, isn't he? he? <laughs> He's like a little baby. <laughs> I quite enjoy that all the time, especially when the airlock opens and he's like, ooh, a bit like Harold Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. Harold Lloyd, if he was a paraplegic. Quite gummy-ish. Um, but then he's, uh, and then he's just sort of stuck back together. Yeah. Bishop, isn't he? Yeah. Hop him back together, you'll be all right. He's an alien three. He'll run that off. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably they can just, like a Lego piece, just stick new legs on him. Yeah. So then, last flourish. Yeah. Cargo loader, well planned earlier, takes them out. And then they're off ski and then it's just uh, off to bed. Yeah. Ripley back in her pants. And, well, um, you get the key, stay away from her, you bitch. Yeah. Which I don't like. No, I thought that was odd. I thought that was a bit aggressive woman on woman stuff. From I think that's a, we're in the midst of 80s action. Yeah. Hence this podcast. But we're in the midst of 80s action where everything has to be macho. Yes, exactly. And alpha. Yeah. And that's a very uh, malpha thing to say. <laughs> Sort of motherly alpha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she fires the alien out of the airlock. Yes. Uh, and then, and, and yeah. Bishop just stops Newt being sucked in. Mm. It's a great ending. And it, the mm. people escape who you'd want to escape. Yeah. Question mark over Bishop, but you'll almost definitely be okay. Um, and then n- nice last stuff with, with Newt. What was it? Can, we, can I dream or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. And then Hicks is all repaired. Sleep. Yeah. And then they decided at the beginning of Alien 3 to kill off Newton Hicks. Oh, don't tell me that. What's that's just horrific. But anyway, like this, off, like completely off screen. That's well, maybe maybe I don't know, maybe they didn't want to do it. It's really stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's a good film. I I like it for what it is, but if you were if you were looking for in fact the director who did um District 9, I can't Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. He was going to do Ridley Scott cancelled it, but he was going to do a sequel to Aliens. Right. A proper one because I think if you watch Aliens as a fan and then you watch Alien 3, you'd be a bit like, oh, why, why have you done that? Yeah. Oh, it's Anyway, so that's yep. lovely ending to an, an absolute masterpiece. It's just such a brilliant film. It is. But now we've reached the point where I'm going to ask you some Great. quickfire questions. Yep. You ready? Yes. So, Neil, yeah. who is the best, Arnie or Sly? I'd say Arnie because I think he's funnier. Mm. I, don't think, I think that's indisputable. So it is indisputable. So I'd continue that discussion. Yep. Okay, number two. What's the best action movie of all time? I'd say Zulu. 
you know and people might not think it's a archetype action movie but it's oh, got definitely one, of, is. one of the longest battle scenes ever put to film and mm. i think yeah that would be it for me it is basically one long battle yeah you reach a certain point and that's it yeah it's, it's just brilliant and again so much character and drama within it yeah uh, terrorists have taken over a skyscraper. This isn't news. Yeah. Uh, you can take three celebrities with you to stop them. Who are you taking up the shard and why? First would be Paul Denan, <laughs> the former Hollyoaks um, actor. And Father is, of De Niro. Father of De Niro. Yeah. And it's because of, um, I'm sure you're aware of the Christmas Lights press in 2007 incident. Do you know about No. This? Let me just, um, I just brought a little, just to make sure I hadn't imagined this, but uh-huh. I do think about it every Christmas. In <laughs> 2007, Paul Denan was axed from a panto role in Preston after, well, let me just explain what happened. He he was involved with the turn-on of the Christmas lights right. in Preston. Yeah. Now, there's been conflicting reports over the years what happened. By his own admittance, he was drunk. Right. There's been some suggestions he thought in his inebriated state that he was um, opening a nightclub. But to cut a long story short, let me just read, uh, this is from the Daily Star. Yeah. The former Hollywood star let rip in front of thousands of children at a Christmas light switch-on. Danan was so abusive, he was hit by an £80 fine by police at the scene. He had to have the microphone snatched out of his hand after yelling, Come on, make some motherfucking noise. (laughs) Unluckily for Danan, his panto producer, Viv Wells, was in the crowd. And she fired him from the lead role in Jack and the Beanstalk at the city's charter theatre. Viv said, I was left feeling sick because of what he said in front of an audience of children. It was totally out of the blue. I was completely shocked. We're now searching for a new Jack. Now, oh, my God. That, new I Jack th- City. I think about that almost every Christmas. <laughs> and I've searched and searched for scraps of information. Mm. And all I've got is that he did, he very fleetingly denied referred to an interview and said that he'd been drinking wine. And then I, I, I read somewhere else the suggestion he, he th- it was very, the, the lights were in his eyes and he thought he was in a nightclub. But he, he, he did scream, make some motherfucking noise to a crowd of infant children. Oh and, and I just think that he's never talked about it publicly, mm. Danan. But if we went up the skyscraper, mm. uh, high stakes situation yeah. with the terrorists, yeah. life or death, and I feel that in a quiet moment, Danan <laughs> might open up to me about just the whole incident, <laughs> what he was thinking, yeah. what happened, what he thought he was there for and why he particularly chose to to shout that. One-on-one, in, 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 in a bit of downtime in a foxhole or something like this, I just think he might he might open up. He might not, I might be wrong, hmm. in which case I've taken Bolton Ann <laughs> to fight terrorists, but I might be right, you know, um, if I'm right. Because I'd like to ask you, because if many people don't know, you've read a lot of the Urban Myths yes. episodes. Why Have you not pitched that? Um, I, God, I mean, I, if only, but I think, I don't know, Paul is so close-lipped about the whole affair. Maybe mm. if he played him, I mean, look, let me speak to Danan about it. Yeah. But yeah, if he'd be interested, I certainly would. Tell him to do it for De Niro. <laughs> yeah, well, why else? Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question about Urban Myths? Yes. Why haven't they done one about the 1989 Brit Awards? Oh, I don't know. That'd be great. Usage, maybe? I, don't I know. just, you don't need the I want to know what happened. Yeah. It's, it's one of the life's most... Lingering mysteries for me. Yeah. How that came to be. Yeah. And uh, the backstage conversations. Yeah, it's great. Idea. What must have been, it have been like? And, you know, you yeah. had um, the bit where they, their autocue failed and they just basically just stood there staring at the screen for like five minutes. Yeah, and they were such a funny, odd couple. And so weird. 
Yeah, you should pitch it. It's a great idea. I, I'm not writing it. All right. I want you to write it. Um, also, I'm decent to write. Oh, so you've got two more people to take up the skyscraper. Yeah, the Alessi twins, I thought, from Neighbours. Perfect. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, they're chalk and cheese, John. They always were. And I think having a bit of variance of opinion uh, under that kind of pressure would be handy. I don't want yes men. No, and one of them was a top businesswoman as well. She was a top businesswoman. She was good with the uh, Edie Gower contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Home James as well. <laughs> Gail, the Edie Gower contract. <laughs> so that would be my three. And I'm sure that would be a common response to that question. I would love, love to watch the news one day and say a expert is taking out Paul Denan and the Alessi twins <laughs> yeah. from Neighbours yeah. to deal with the situation. Yeah, the, the people are sick of experts. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a true. kind of Brexity solution to the problem. They are, and everyone loves Paul Denan. Well, apart from, let me just check, uh, theatre impresario uh, Viv Wells. Actually, we tell you about nobody loves Paul Denan. If they did, he'd be on television. <laughs> well, not impressed in. But again, no. let, just let me get to the bottom of it because there might be an explanation. So let me speak to Paul about it. Well, we'll have you back next series and we'll hear, we'll hear sure. what happened with Denan, Denan Gate. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, you can go back in time and stop someone being born. Who is it? And much like Desert Island Discs, I'm giving you Hitler. Uh, referee Kenny Clark, who refereed the 2008 Scottish League Cup final between Dundee United and Rangers. Um, and he gave a performance of such staggering corruption and ineptitude. I think that for me, he... He's put himself in danger of being selected in this kind of right. scenario. You yeah. know, this is not, he's, you cannot blame me for this. No. And I think that... Um, if anything, you're just responding to a... I'm responding as anyone could to yeah. his performance on that day 11 years ago. And I think it's entirely justified, sadly, in this situation that for him to be mentioned in the, in the same breath as, as Hitler. And I, I wish Hitler had taken the game. You know, he'd been great awarding corners. Oh... Very good. Um, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Rocky Balboa and John Matrix from Commando. Who wins? Uh, ten minutes of handbags and then torrid sex. <laughs> okay, I, I'd definitely watch that. Mm. Like Woman in Love, but... Better. Better. Yeah. With muscles <laughs> instead of paunches. <laughs> uh, finally, uh, if you had to make your own 80s action movie, who would... It, who would Sorry, what would it be about and who would be the lead? Uh, I ran out of time a bit on the train, but I've got the leads and the title. I don't have a plot. Mm. So the leads are the proclaimers, and the title is Letter Bomb from America. <sighs> that is amazing. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, the Sunshine and Leith album, when the two of them, it's the backs to the proclaimers are looking out over Edinburgh. I thought that would be the poster. And uh, Letter Bomb from America. And they could do the soundtrack, of course. Do the lot, yeah. That's brilliant, because you could have totally done that at the height of their fame. Easily, you easily get for that. Back like in the um, early days of noughties filmmaking. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another '80s pop star who got a film. Uh, like, give my regards to Broad Street. Yeah, Letter Bomb from America. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? So, I mean, it just writes plot, itself. Plot to follow, but yeah, that's um, that's where we're at. Perfect. Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming in. Thank to talk about much. aliens. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. Yeah, and next time we're going to do my two dads. My two dads and, and following up on Danan. Danan, yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, John. This is me, Nicole Bradford. Cute, huh? This is my dad. And this is my dad. How'd I get two dads? They inherited me. Congratulations. It's a girl. Here's the judge who brought us together. She lives in our building. My building. I own it. She's going to make sure we're one big happy family with one dad who's down to earth and one dad with his head in the clouds. I, I think we're father of the year. You can count on me. No matter what you do, you can count on me. No matter where you go, I'm standing by your side. I'll be right 
what would happen if you got a comedian in a room, you open their Amazon account, and you look back at everything they've ever bought on that website? Well, this. Because I was consuming so much peanut butter, I decided to try and get a powdered oh, version that wow. wasn't as fattening. Uh, your handwriting can change your life. I regret this book. <laughs> I regret this book. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty keyring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love yes. that. I do have that on my fridge. Four pounds is spent on that. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster, available now from Great Big Al. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.